Disney's direct-to-consumer business lost $4 billion in the last year, with Disney Plus likely shouldering much of the responsibility. The company says it will make the business profitable in 2024. Can it get there? This week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and Colin Dixon from Entry Media is with me. Hi there, Colin. How is everything going? It's great, Will, and uh, my head's spinning a bit this week with the continuing delivery of Q3 results or Q4 results in the case of Disney, who operates on financial quarters. I've been cranking all that information into my spreadsheet, trying to make head and tail of it, and uh, it's been <laughs> it's been a bit of a challenge, I can tell you, keeping up with it all. Yeah, that's going to be our main story this week: is digging into the Disney earnings and the upcoming rate increases that Disney is going to be implementing across all of its direct-to-consumer services, and whether all of that portends that they'll get to profitability in the DTC business in their fiscal 24, which they've said they will, but it's a pretty tall mountain to climb. But before we get into that, we have a couple of news stories to talk about. And you're up first with Netflix going into sports. Is that right? I, I am, Will. And it's pretty <laughs> funny, isn't it? It's like suddenly all bets are off for Netflix. I don't know. What are we going to get next? News? They're going to start up a news service? I really, the, apparently everything is now uh, on the table and a very interesting article in the Wall Street Journal, which is informed by somebody who apparently is on the inside and, and should know should know these things. The report is that Netflix is now very interested in sports, but it is choosing to avoid premium sports and is instead looking at smaller leagues. Now, I think it's it was pretty widely reported that the company had bid on ATP Tennis Tour and that they'd basically been beaten out and got into a bidding war. Well, they don't want to do that anymore, apparently. And so what they're doing is they're looking at smaller leagues. And apparently they went to the carpet with the World Surf League. Uh, but apparently uh, negotiations ended up falling apart because they couldn't agree on the price. Uh, but the interesting thing is that the, the comment in the piece was that some Netflix believe that given the size of its platform, that it could actually turn a small league like the World Surf League into a much bigger deal. And, you know, well, I totally believe this. I mean, over 220 million subscribers uh, I assume that they would get a worldwide license would I watch World Surf League on Netflix yes I would <laughs> I think I'm interested enough in that sport to definitely give it a, give it a, a whirl and check it out so I think that this could be a really useful strategy for the company and I do think that they could give a big lift to whoever they work for so worked with so pretty interesting move and Maybe we'll see them. Maybe they'll be going after lacrosse or hockey or, or field hockey or I don't know. Something like that uh, could be really interesting, I think, for them. I have two candidates for them to go after. One would be the emerging a new pickleball league, which um, <laughs> <laughs> is a craze yep. among celebrities. Tom Brady, LeBron, others, Cuban have all invested in pickleball teams. 
and they're looking for a contract. Um, second one is that the uh, this new, in, within golf, uh, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy have formed a new venture where it's going to be a Monday night competition among teams of three. It's going to kick off a year from now. That would also be another candidate for Netflix to go after. Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe. Now, and now if they made that speed golf, uh, a speed golf <laughs> tournament where the, where you, you've got uh, an hour and a half to get around the 19 holes, I totally watch that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only 18 holes, first of all, Con, unless you're Oh, sorry, sorry. I meant, I meant to say 18. But that shows but, my ignorance of the sport. Definitely. Yeah, well, this, this whole thing, I think it's called Tomorrow is from Rory and Tiger is a whole new whole new format it's meant to be a monday night league match play kind of thing um but yeah i think netflix maybe the major sports as we know they're just completely priced out of and those are locked up but as you're pointing out the journal article maybe there are some smaller sports that netflix could pick up and hey they've already reversed themselves on never doing an ad supported tier why not now reverse themselves on never doing sports either yeah, well, it sounds like that's definitely on the table, Will. But uh, anyway, what's what's your story for this week? Well, my story is about YouTube. This week, they announced that they are now above 80 million combined music, YouTube music and YouTube, pre- YouTube premium subscribers globally. And that is actually up from um, 50 million in uh, September of 2020. One So over the course of a year, they have increased by 30 million or 60% um, premium and music subscribers. And that's a pretty big jump, obviously. And I think uh, for those that aren't familiar, the music service is kind of akin to a Spotify or Apple Music, Amazon Music type of service. And the premium um, service, which I think you're a subscriber to, means that you can watch YouTube without any ads. So they have now 80 million, including free trial subscribers, subscribing to these two services. And, um, you know, obviously YouTube is a juggernaut in the ad space, but now they're also growing a pretty big business on the subscription side, which is going to be... I know you are a big believer in hybrid monetization models. I am too. And these are only going to be more important in a rocky economic environment where uh, ad dollars are um, declining for now. So big news for YouTube. Yeah, I think so, Will. And as you say, I'm a subscriber to YouTube Premium and I love it. Uh, We watch a lot of YouTube on TV and I think YouTube usage on TV is really getting high. And I'm wondering if this is part of the reason why they've seen this huge spike in the number of premium subscribers, because certainly watching YouTube on TV without those ads is a big, uh, a big improvement in the experience. For So I'm yeah. thinking that that's got something to do with maybe pushing up the number of people that have subscribed, subscribed to premium. Um, and I do really enjoy YouTube Music as well. It's a very powerful service. It's great to be able to just talk to Google Assistant and ask it to play a song. Uh, you don't even have to give it the title. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can just give it the give it the lyric, and it will figure out what song and play it for you. So this is a very powerful service, and 
Doesn't surprise me that it is growing, but that bigger growth is, I think, a bit of a surprise. Yeah, and YouTube, of course, um, did their ad revenues did uh, slow this past quarter, consistent yep. with everybody in the ad business these days. So this um, tailwind in subscription certainly is beneficial to their overall financial results. I think it is, yeah. But uh, maybe we should jump on jump on our main story for this week. Yeah, go for it. Give us the top line. Disney reported its Q4 fiscal 22 numbers. What were, they did. What was, what was the big news point in the DTC business, <laughs> direct consumer business that we watched? Well, yeah, we're, we're not going to we're not going to talk about Disney's whole business because they actually had a bit of a downtick in revenue, and um, so Wall Street was not very pleased. Um, the D2C business is a bit of a good news, bad news for them this quarter, Will. The good news is that they did pretty well in driving subscribers. Disney Plus added 12 million paying subscribers globally and 1.9 million in the US and Canada. The service now has 164.2 million global subscribers and 46.2 million in, in the USA and Canada. And just by comparison, Netflix has 223 global and 73 million you can. So much Netflix is still much bigger, but you can definitely see the trend that it's gradually catching up. Hulu's gains are a bit more modest than Disney Plus. They gained 600,000 for the on-demand part and 400,000 for the Hulu Live. That's actually a big surprise for me that they picked up 400,000 Hulu Live subscribers. My suspicion is that that might have been the beginning of football season that helped draw people in because still you kind of need a pay TV subscription if you're a big NFL fan and you want to watch all the games or as many of the games as, as, as are being broadcast. But uh, that put, puts Hulu at about 47.2 overall and 4.4 million for just the Hulu with live. And ESPN continues to grow strongly. It added 1.5 million customers to reach 24.3 million. But I want to put a little asterisk by all those games, Will, because there's, there was another piece of information which they've never given before. And which I think really gives us a big insight into the direction for Disney's direct-to-consumer business. They said that 40% of domestic Disney Plus subscribers receive access as part of the bundle. That's a pretty significant number, 40%. Uh, That means about 18 million of Disney Plus subscribers in North America are actually inside the bundle. But this this has a very interesting corollary. Because the bundle includes ESPN and Hulu, that means that 18 million of their subscribers also uh, are in the bundle, right? By, by, by extension, there's 18 million bundle subscribers. So that means actually that 18 million of ESPN Plus's 24.3 million are in the bundle. So it could be that ESPN, that 1.5 million customers that they added in the last quarter, they could all have come through bundle subscribers who weren't subscribing to ESPN at all, that they wanted Hulu and they wanted Disney Plus. So... (laughs) 
it, it, it sort of puts a, an asterisk by all of the gains that Disney is telling us in their D2C services because we can't be sure now if the subscriber that they're claiming actually subscribed to get access to that content or just got it incidentally through the bundle. So, uh, you know, anyway, that's the good news. Um, and, so I'll I'll just just pour, and I'll just interject yeah. for a second, Colin, before you go on to the bad news. <laughs> but um, what you're talking about, the dynamic with ESPN Plus getting pulled along into a bundle, whether you're a sports viewer or not, sounds a little bit like history repeating itself. <laughs> it yep. sounds like pay TV all over again. You may not be a sports fan, but there's ESPN uh, bundled in and uh, you're automatically paying for it. And while the numbers are far, far lower on ESPN Plus, as we're talking about, it's it sounds like the Disney DNA in sports bundling from the TV world is now playing out in the streaming world. Well, that's definitely the way they are going, Will. But uh, we'll get we'll get to talk about the bundle pricing and the price increases in a little bit because we touched on it in our in a previous podcast. But it's got a little bit more real now. We know um, now we know what's going on. But let's talk about the bad news. For at least for Disney Plus, and the bad news for Disney Plus is the bundle and and India in particular and international in general is wreaking havoc with Disney Plus's ARPU. So it is uh, six ninety nine in the states right now, but the average revenue globally, the average revenue per subscriber globally is. $3.91. It just keeps falling, Will. And this, I think, is, yes, it's definitely some impact from the Indian market, but I also believe it is a big impact of the bundle. And the reason I say that is because the ARPU in the US and Canada is also declining. It declined 10% to $6.10. So why is the bundle implicated here? Well, if, if somebody decides rather than subscribing to Disney Plus directly, they subscribe to the bundle. Yes, they get access to the other two services in, in the bundle. But the way Disney must recognize that revenue is that they have to allocate that revenue across those three services. And I guess they do it proportionally with, with the uh, separate cost. Right. So somebody subscribing to the bundle is paying, in effect, less for Disney Plus by that math. So it decreases the ARPU of Disney Plus. So that's that's a really interesting dynamic that really, really reflects badly on Disney's desire to the fact that it wants to make Disney Plus profitable by 2024 and I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about that in just a little bit. Now generally the ARPU fell for most of the services. Um, Hulu was also down a little bit to $12.23 and they said that that was primarily due to softness in the advertising market not, not to softness in subscribers. As we said subscribers actually went up that must mean that Disney earned a lot less from advertising inside of Hulu than it did in the previous quarter. 
And uh, interestingly, ESPN Plus actually increased to $4.84 from $4.55. But the explanation for that is pretty simple. They raised the price. <laughs> and it was a big price increase. Well, it will. It went from, I think, uh, $6.99 or $5.99 to $9.99 in the last quarter. So there was a big increase in ESPN price. And the only way you could hide, your, hide from that price increase, increase was if you were getting ESPN within the bundle. So, you know, the net net here is that Disney wants Disney Plus to be profitable in 2024. They say it's going to be profitable in 2024. I just don't think they can do it if ARPU continues to fall. But they have a remedy for that. But before we get to that, uh, I'm just going to pause again to, to see to see if you have any comments here. Well, no, I mean, obviously, yeah, I think what you've pointed out here is all are all issues for sure. And, but as you said, the remedy is going to be through price increases. And, and you know, I think it's I, I, I do think it's worth noting that we going all the way back to the beginning of the Disney Plus launch, that. The, the service was underpriced relative to the content that it offered. They came out with a very aggressive, aggressively low price. They wanted to accumulate subscribers as quickly as they could. The pandemic supercharged all that. There was only one way that Disney Plus prices were going to go, and that was going to be up. So they've kind of taken a little bit of a hit on the ARPU. Obviously, the Hot Star um, you know, bundling is an issue. Uh, but all the prices are going up on December 8th, and the full benefit of that will start uh, hitting the ARPU numbers that we see, not necessarily fully this quarter, but the following quarter. So not their fiscal Q1, which will end at the end of December uh, or early January, um, but the following quarter. And Price increases are, this might be a good transition into talking about what Wall Street really focused on, which um, we're going to talk about now as well, which is that the direct-to-consumer business lost a billion and a half dollars in this most recent quarter. That's the highest loss that they've had The DT, in a quarter. The DTC business lost approximately $4 billion for the year, for fiscal year 22. Um Wall Street wants to see <laughs> that business turn profitable, and Disney has said that they believe that they can turn that business profitable in fiscal year 24. So basically, starting a year from now for the four quarters following that, Disney foresees the business turning profitable. And um, this is, I think, really the the big question for them is, you know, can the combination of increased prices, which will go into effect next month, December 8th, combined with hopefully new subscribers in the Disney Plus ad supported tier and um, new, hopefully incremental revenue that they'll gain from the ad supported tier in combination with controlling their costs, which they said they're going to do, can all of that come together to have the direct-to-consumer business start turning the corner meaningfully a year from now? And they said that this current quarter that we're in, 
they expect that the loss will be reduced by about 200 million. So this current quarter, they're probably going to lose about a billion three in direct to consumer. So they have, you know, they have some serious ground to make up and they've been clear, I think, about the levers that they're going to pull to try to do this. And, um, you know, I think that's what everybody's kind of keeping an eye on now is can they succeed? Yeah. I'm just not sure, Will. I, I'm not as confident as they are that they can get there. I, 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 so they're making a big assumption here, right? They are doing something which is actually quite unique because they are, first of all, they're raising prices. Nothing unique in that. But the thing is that what we've seen happen with other streaming services is when they introduce an ad-supported tier, they give you a discount for that. Disney isn't doing that, at least in effect, they're not doing that. They're taking the $7.99 ad-free tier and they're asking people to pay $3 more or watch ads at that tier. And that's a big change. They're betting they can hang on to them and make up the $3 on the ad-viewing customers. Now, if they're able to hang on to everyone that has Disney Plus today, uh, and that's 22 to 24 million subs, excluding those that are in the bundle, we'll talk about those later, then they will make an additional $1 billion in the next year. So that's $1 billion, which does obviously offset some of that $4 billion loss, but I don't know where else they're making savings there. They're certainly not making savings through spending less on content because they say they're going to hold content spending at about 30 billion in the next year. Yeah. So that's certainly not enough in North America to make up for that loss. But the problem is <laughs> that actually I think what this is going to do is create a flood of people who have two services now. They're going to jump to a bundle. So let's say if you have Disney Plus and Hulu on demand, what, whatever plan you're on, it, well, if, if you're watching with ads and you choose to watch Disney Plus with ads and you want Hulu and Disney Plus, you're going to save six bucks by jumping to the Hulu Disney Plus bundle. So you're going to do that, right? That means that the net revenue that Disney Plus earns is actually, I think, there's, I'm not convinced that it's going to go up when this happens. It could be that a bunch of people move to one of the bundles to save a bunch of money and the net net for disney is that they actually end up making a little less that could well be the outcome here so (laughs) i don't think there's any guarantee certainly that they're going to earn that one billion and it could be considerably less yeah well i mean there are a number of moving pieces and i think this is what we discussed on our podcast the last time about the disney plus rate increases that um, subscribers are going to have a bunch of different choices to make going forward. There are so many different things that are happening coming up here. And I, I would say that it feels like the biggest one, given the emphasis that they've put on the bundle so far, is that there are um, going to be millions and millions of people who are in the bundled offering for the three services who um, have been paying thirteen ninety nine. And are now going to be experiencing a dollar per month increase to fourteen ninety nine, or they can take a dollar decrease 
and go to $12.99 if they're willing to take ads with Disney+. Plus. And I think what happens, what's going to happen is that Disney is just going to, you know, rate, you'll get a notification that your bundle price is going up by a dollar. And if you're one of the minority of subscribers, I believe, who object to that, then they'll put you through rather than uh, you being able to just drop the services and go away. They'll put you through a whole process of trying to get you to sign up, try for um, try and sign up for the ad supported tier, which would actually save you a dollar. So it goes down to twelve ninety nine per month. Um, but I also think they'll make a play at that point to try to upsell you to take all of the services uh, without ads um, for twenty dollars per month. And this, I think, is the, uh, I'm sorry, ESPN Plus still comes with ads at $20. So to keep Disney Plus and uh, Disney Plus without ads and now convert Hulu to no ads at 20 a month, that would be, you know, kind of an upsell opportunity for them. So they have like a downsell and an upsell. And all of that, I think, means that Disney Plus bundle subscribers are going to have some decisions to make and how... Disney chooses to implement the ads in Disney Plus is no doubt going to inf influence this. I think you're absolutely right. Thinking about all of this, Will, Disney really doesn't have a lot of room to maneuver in the Indian market. So I don't think that they can, at this time, I don't think that they can raise prices there, at least certainly not as much as I think they would need to, to get to the profitability that they, that they hope that they can. So I think it has to, the price increases are going to come in Europe and in North America primarily to try and make up this difference. And, you know, what this means is that we are not at the end of price increases. I think there could be another substantial price increase at the end of next year to, I mean, there's no way that Bob Chapek wants to announce at the end of 2024 that it's not profitable, right? He's been so public with saying this. Uh, so I think that there could be another round of price, substantial price increases at the end of next year, which I don't, I think this has to impact growth of subscribers. Um, so this is, I mean, in one respect, this is a very healthy thing, right? This is the law of supply and demand. If you've got something and you, you price it at some price, you figure out how many people will want to pay for it and you figure out the optimal price to get the most money. Uh, that's what's happening here. And we'll find out if that price that they want for it that gets them to profitability is something people are willing to pay. Yeah, I agree. And, and we only have a minute, I think, left here, Colin. But the, um, I agree with you that the uh, hitting the profitability target on DTC in fiscal 24 feels non-negotiable unless there's some, you know, renewal of COVID or some other external event that can't be predicted. They have to achieve profitability in DTC in fiscal 24. Um, and that gives them basically a year to get their ducks in a row because they're coming out of a loss of four billion in fiscal 22. So they need to get themselves, you know, back. Uh, they need to get, you know, essentially on track over the next four quarters to position themselves for profitability starting in um, that year from now quarter. And uh, 
there's a lot of uncertainty. Obviously, the economy, higher prices for Disney Plus, um, inflation, you name it, the list goes on and on. So it's there's not a ton of wiggle room for for Disney Plus here. Um, but you do have to admire on a, on the plus side. You do have to admire how they've gone from basically a standing start in three years to uh, the number, the, you know, 250, 260 million subscribers that they have now. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Um, that, that is a pretty awesome in, achievement, but it is, it, but let's be honest, it's, it's, it's done at a cost. They've yeah. been underpricing yeah. for the amount they're spending. And, and let's be real here. The losses at Disney plus and maybe ESPN, but certainly Disney plus are probably much higher than we think because Included in the D2C numbers is the profitable Hulu service, and Hulu is profitable. So its gains are way offset by the losses that we're seeing at Disney+. Plus. So for Bob Chapek to stare there and say in 2024 that Disney Plus is profitable, he has to somehow find more than the $4 billion that is being lost right now in, in that product he has to come up with more because it's it seems like disney is actually losing disney plus is actually losing more um so this is no easy feat and it's going to take price increases and cost controls and well that's going to have a toll on subscriber additions so let's wrap it up colin odds what are your odds uh how are you pegging the odds that they'll get to at least break even or profitability in fiscal 24 (laughs) on dtc it's a great question. I, I'm betting they can't get there. I, not, cannot. Not, cannot. Cannot get, get there. Yeah. Not without losing a whole bunch of subscribers in the process because if they, they ratchet up the price too quickly. Yeah. I'm betting that they can get there and that may come at the cost of number of subscribers. But um, I think we just said the same thing. <laughs> well, you. <laughs> I thought you were saying net net they can't do it. Um, well, uh, yeah, are you yeah, saying they yeah. can do it with subscriber loss, uh, which is, I think, what I'm saying. Um, I oh, think they're well. going to do it. I think they're going to. The short answer for me is that they, they are going to be profitable on DTC in 24, unless some COVID-like, you know, externality comes into play. Let's let's okay. So let me let's say they're going to find a way yes. that they can say yes. that Disney Plus is profitable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe I'll go with that. <laughs> Okay, well, why don't we leave it at that? Uh, We're a little bit over time, Colin. See the conversation to be continued, and uh, we will see all of our listeners again next week. We will indeed. Inside the Stream is a production of In Screen Media and Video News. All rights reserved.